Good morning, friends. We are in 1 Peter chapter 1 this morning as we are in the middle of a sermon series uh, that is on the topic of the fruit of the Spirit. And so 1 Peter chapter 1 is where you'll open your Bibles as we talk about the second fruit of the Spirit, that is joy. Joy. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, it can never spoil, it can never fade, and it's kept in heaven for you. You who are shielded by faith, by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, we greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, I just pray that you will bless this time as we gather, as we read your word, as we ask your spirit to move, as you, we ask your spirit to open up our hearts and our minds, I pray that, Lord, your word will speak boldness and truth into our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, I love this passage. It's just so full of wonderful goodness and hope and joy. But I really want to focus in on Paul's closing thoughts found in verse 8. He says that we believe in God and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Now we know that joy is a fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness... In self-control. Peter and Paul both see joy as something that is being poured into our lives. Paul says in Galatians 5 that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us joy. Peter says that we are filled with joy. And so let's look at today's passage and ask the question, what is the definition of joy? 
I have a few thoughts for you. If you want to follow along, write them in your notes. According to Peter, joy is a blessing. It is an absolute blessing from God that is rooted in grace, right? It's a gift that we are given. And it's driven by this powerful blessing. Paul says that we have been given new birth in verse 3. The interpreted New Testament version of the Bible, which I really reached far for this one, but I love it. It says that we have been fathered again. Fathered again. What a blessing. Paul says in Romans that we are a new creation. It was Jesus who said to Zacchaeus that we have been born again. And this birth, this new birth, this fathered again is constant. It's unchanging. No one can take new birth from you. No one can take fathering again from you. You can't mess up bad enough to have that birthright revoked. And could you imagine if that was the case? Well, I'm sorry, Darren, but you kind of lost your temper yesterday at work. God's no longer your heavenly father. Well, I'm sorry, Marie. I'm sorry. But um, you said some bad things about someone in gossip. So God's revoked your new, your new birth status. And now nobody will sit in the front row. I love the promise that's found in Romans chapter 8. One of my favorite verses that says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers at all, neither height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that is a powerful promise that this new birth, this blessing, is constant and unchanging. And Peter says that we can know this for sure. I mean, look at that next phrase in verse 3. He's given us new birth into a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's a living hope. Our joy is confirmed in a historical event that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead. And that's how we can know for certain that God has made us new. Because he had the power to bring Jesus from the dead, he is also able to give you new birth. We have confidence today, and that joy is inside of each of us. And that's why Peter says that we can face all kinds of trials with joy. Because joy 
lives in you. That blessing has been given to you. If you don't have joy when you face trials, it's not because God didn't give you joy. It's because the joy he's given you just might be buried, buried by perishable and temporary things that make you happy in the moment. But when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a new creation. And this new creation is full of joy. The Spirit is filling you with joy. we got to stop bearing joy for the temporary. Tim Keller says, the counterfeit to joy is elation that comes from blessings, not the blesser. It's elation that comes from blessings, the things that we have that are good in this world, not the actual blesser, right? And so I want to make that our second thought when we're thinking of joy, that joy is in the blesser. Our joy is a blessing. It is a grace given. It is a free gift that comes from the Holy Spirit. But our joy is rooted in who gives us that blessing, who gives us that joy. It's in the blesser. Peter says our joy is fixed on the one whom we have not seen, who we do not see now, right? Richard Carlson, who's an author of a series of books called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, once said that our happiness comes when we lessen the gap between what we have and what we want. He says our problem is that once we get what we want, we have a bad habit of letting our minds drift towards something that could be better. Our drifting minds keep us from having a spirit of thankfulness. And many of us have learned to appreciate what we have, and many of us have not learned to appreciate what we have. Instead, we have learned to believe that the next desire, the next achievement might be better. And if we're in the habit of always focusing on what we want, we might be dissatisfied. I mean, for example, let's say you won $10 million in the lottery. You could win $10 million in the lottery and still feel dissatisfied or maybe worried or maybe have your attention on the taxes the government's going to take out of your winnings. So what is it that we should find contentment? The blesser. God, who has blessed us with new life. And that's why James says in 1, chapter, 7, chapter 1, verse 17, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is the constant of our joy. Have you considered, as Peter considers in this passage, that sometimes even trials come and they become good? These trials, they shape. They form us, right? I heard the story about a farmer who had a donkey who fell into a well. 
And he tried to get that donkey out of the well, but it just kept crying and crying. His neighbors came, and they decided there was no hope left. And so they dug that shovel into the dirt and started filling the well, thinking this donkey's going to be dead and this water's going to be no good. But something imagined, something powerful happened. With each shovel full of dirt, that donkey kept taking a step up and a step up and a step up. And pretty soon everyone was amazed as that donkey stepped over the edge of the well and happily trotted off. Even when life throws dirt on us, even when life tries to kill us, we can overcome our joy when we find out that the blesser, the blesser has given us new life. Third definition uh, I just want to share with you this morning is that there is joy in the blessing to come. We find joy in the blessing. We find joy is in the blesser, and there's joy in the blessing to come. Many of you know that Jessica and I are leaving for vacation Friday. I'm going to pick up Eli from camp, and I'm going to be gone. And I can see it. It's on the horizon. And quite honestly, I really don't care what happens to me this week. This world can throw all at once at me, but I know Saturday I'm going to be on a beach listening to the sounds of the waves crashing against the shore. And I know it's temporary because on June 17th we'll pack up the car and come back. It's not that I don't love you guys. I do. Most of you. I'm looking forward to that break, right? And just as I look forward to that Friday, June the 9th, I know that many of us have to do the same for the joy and the blessing to come. We can look on that horizon and see the heavenly city and nothing this world throws at you can steal that joy. The writer of Hebrews says, for we here we do not have an enduring city where we're looking forward to the city that is to come. Max Lucado tells a story about Robert Reed, who once said, I have everything I need for joy. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth or comb his hair or even put on his underwear. There are strips of Velcro who hold his shirts together. His speech drags out like a worn-out audio cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease has kept him from driving a car or riding a bike, 
or even going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating high school or graduating from college. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at a junior college or venturing overseas on five different missions trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary. Lucado learned that Robert Reeds spoke recently, and he watched as other men carried him in his wheelchair to the platform. He said, I watched him lay his Bible in his lap and his stiff fingers forcing the pages open, and I watched as people in the audience wiped away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy. He could have asked for pity. Instead, he boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts were held on by Velcro, but his life was held together by joy. This morning as we gather around the table, I invite you to reflect on joy. Where is your joy rooted? Do you have joy? Galatians chapter 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there are no law. The gift of joy is given to every follower of Jesus Christ. And as we hold bread and juice this morning, we reflect on that free gift that was given by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. As we sing our next song, I invite you to go to one of our three communion stations. Hold the emblems as we sing, and we'll take communion together as Carl comes up with a few more thoughts. Will you pray with me, please? Father, I'm thankful for the free gift of joy. I'm thankful that you are a God who blesses our lives. I'm thankful in you. And Father, I'm grateful for the city that is to come, that we can fix our eyes on what's ahead, that we can trust that, Lord, you will cause it to be. Father, as we gather around this table, as we reflect on your sacrifice, I pray that our lives will continue to be transformed, that your Holy Spirit will continue to fill us with joy. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name.